Well, we have been discovering over the last several weeks of Advent how the Lord's Prayer, which includes the important line for it to be on earth as it is in heaven, is fulfilled through the hope of Advent. We have been doing this by looking at the doxology of the Lord's Prayer, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen, and looking at that doxology through the lens of the coming of Christ. So far we have seen that God's kingdom has come to us because Jesus took on lowliness. That God's power has come to us because Jesus took on weakness. That God's glory has come to us because Jesus took on our dishonor. That God's eternal life has come to us because Jesus took on our mortality. Tonight, we consider the word, Amen. Perhaps a word that we dismiss and forget, but it is quite significant. In the word, Amen, we are saying, truly, or it is certain. To say, Amen, is to say, may it be so for me. Or, I fully agree. I pledge myself to this truth. And as we have been looking at the doxology of the Lord's Prayer, we have seen that it is Jesus who is the Amen of God. In Jesus, on earth as it is in heaven, is fulfilled. In Jesus, it will be. As we consider the word Amen... Through the lens of Advent, we discover that it is in Jesus that we find God's amen to every promise he has made. It is in Jesus that we find God's amen to every promise he has made. Our passage that was just read teaches this clearly. The baby in a manger has grown up to be the man Jesus, and our passage today describes the very beginning of his public ministry. This passage is Jesus' declaration of why he has come. This is his mission statement. Jesus comes to the synagogue of his hometown and takes the opportunity to read the scriptures and to give a sermon. When he stands up, he turns to the book of Isaiah and reads the passage that should be familiar to many of us by now, Isaiah 61, 1-3. That is because this is the passage that we have read every week of Advent and also read this evening. It is the third reading in your bulletin. The congregation was expecting to hear a sermon by Jesus on this text, and Jesus follows this custom. After reading the text, he sits ready to preach. He then shocks the congregation with these words. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That's it. That's the whole sermon. Perhaps you were shocked by how short this was. But the truly shocking thing is that Jesus is announcing himself as the person that the scriptures are about. He is saying, I am the person Isaiah was describing when he wrote this 800 years ago. Jesus is announcing to the people that he is God's amen. He is the fulfillment and the guarantee of God's promises. 
Let us look closely at the words that Jesus says he is the long-awaited fulfillment of. He says that he is the fulfillment of proclaiming good news to the poor and liberty to the captives. Jesus in this statement is, is speaking primarily about the poor in the sense of social poverty, i.e. being an outsider or a downcast. It is not necessarily bound to their economic situation because in this culture there were many ways to be considered poor, to be considered inferior. And when he speaks of captives, it is likely that he is speaking captives in the sense of spiritual captivity. He is announcing liberty to the captivity of Satan. We read in our first reading from Genesis that after man fell into sin because of their disobedience to God's command through the deception of the serpent, that mankind was going to suffer a constant struggle with the serpent. There would be enmity between them. And as Scripture unfolds, we discover that that serpent is Satan himself. But most importantly, in that text of Genesis, we also read that God promised that a child born of that woman would someday come to crush the head of the serpent. Here Jesus is announcing that he is God's amen to that promise. He has come to set us free from Satan's power. Next, we see Jesus declare from the words of Isaiah that his coming gives sight to the blind. Now it is true that there are several people that Jesus healed from literal blindness. However, it seems likely that Jesus is speaking more spiritually in this text. Jesus said elsewhere in Acts, I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Jesus is saying that his coming has shown light in the darkness, has opened blind eyes, so that they can see his salvation. Jesus is the great light of Isaiah 9, our second reading, where we read, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus is declaring that he is God's amen to those who have been trapped in spiritual darkness and ignorance, because he shines the light of truth and life. Third, Jesus says his coming fulfills the words of Isaiah to set liberty to the oppressed and to proclaim the day of the Lord's favor. These words are talking about the greatest celebration in the life of Israel. It is an event that happened only once every 50 years. It was a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence. It was what was called the year of Jubilee. Once every 50 years in Israel, three momentous things happened. One, God declared all debts are canceled. Second, all slaves are set free. And third, all land is returned to its original families, its original inheritors. In saying that he is the fulfillment of these words, Jesus is announcing that he is God's greater 
Jubilee. How so? Jesus has come to release us from the mighty debts of our sins, to free us from the oppression of Satan, and to make us heirs in his eternal kingdom. Thus, Jesus is declaring that he is God's amen to those who hope for God's forgiveness and perfect reign of righteousness. However, notice that Jesus ends his quotation abruptly. Notably, he does not go on to read the next words from Isaiah, which are the day of vengeance of our God. Why? Why does he suddenly stop? It is not because the day of vengeance of our God was not to come. It was because Jesus came to take that part on himself. As we have seen each week of Advent, Jesus' birth connects inseparably to his death. His lowliness culminated in taking a slave's death to be the ransom for many. He was made weak so that ultimately he would be laid in a tomb. His dishonor culminated in bearing the open shame of our sins on the cross. His mortality was so that he could endure death's sting. He became God's amen on the cross too. On the cross he bore, worst of all, the vengeance of God for our sins. He drank the awful cup of God's wrath to the dregs. And when he had finished, Jesus' last words were, It is finished. It is finished is God's amen that in Jesus all the shame, guilt, and wrath that is due for our sins has been laid on Jesus, paid in full, and cleared from our account. Those who put their faith in Jesus then go from the fear of judgment to eternal jubilee. Jesus is the amen to all of God's promises. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 20 and 21, All the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to the glory of God. Jesus is God's amen to this world to save it, not to condemn it. He is God's amen to those who are humble and low, that in Christ you can be lifted up. He is God's amen to those who are weak and powerless, that in Christ you can be raised incorruptible. He is God's amen to those ashamed by their sins, that in Christ you will come into glory. He is God's amen to those who live under the sentence of death, that in Christ you have life everlasting. The question that this raises for us as we ponder Christmas this evening is this. Have you responded to Christ with your amen? Have you faced the reality of your sinfulness and confessed, save me Jesus, 
You are my truth, my life, my Savior, my Lord, my God. Have you given your amen to Jesus? Listen to the words Jesus spoke on another occasion. Everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever does, denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. How great are these words. No matter who you are, no matter what is in your past, no matter what seems to have compromised you, or made you inferior, no matter what sin you have committed, if you acknowledge Christ, He will acknowledge you before His Father in heaven. He will wrap His arms around you and welcome you home. He will acknowledge you if you acknowledge Him. What great promise are in these words. Everyone that believes in Jesus receives all of God's promises, salvation, forgiveness, blessing, life, and joy. But we must also heed the words if we refuse to put our faith in Jesus. If after hearing all of this, after knowing what we know, after seeing how he fulfills the promises, how he rose from the dead, if we take that great amount of knowledge, and we refuse to acknowledge him. We must be prepared. He will not acknowledge us. The promises are not for those who do not make Jesus their Lord and Savior. I ask you, what can we expect if we neglect such a great salvation? What do you say of him? Have you given your amen to Jesus? We are going to sing now a favorite carol, O Come, All Ye Faithful. This is a carol written for those who give their amen to Christ. And so I want you to think about the words you are about to sing. Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. Jesus, to thee be all glory given. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Do you sing these words with faith? Do you say amen to them? I hope that you do. For those who do not only have their hearts filled with the happiness of Christmas, but are truly filled with eternal jubilee.